Welcome to the Rock House Baptist Church Podcast. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to grow closer to God and to share Him with others. If you would like to find out more about this church or how you can connect, grow, and go, then be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org. And now, today's message. But today we want to jump from Daniel, where we've been the past couple weeks, back to the little book of Esther. And Esther is kind of an interesting book in the Bible. It's one of only two books that are named for women. The other one was Ruth, another very important book. It's also the only book in the Bible that never mentions God. Isn't that odd? However, that does not mean that God is not active, that God is not involved, that God is not doing things in Esther's life and in this situation. And through Esther's story, we learn many things about God, primarily His sovereignty and the plan that God has for His people. We learn about His desire to use individuals, to use people to fulfill His plans and purposes. Is it not humbling to know that God wants to use you in your life as part of His greater plan? That's just awesome. We learn about God's love for His chosen people. We learn that God has a plan to send a Savior, and that plan can't be squashed by any king or any official that wants to wipe out the Jewish people. We learn that God can take what seems like a very bad situation and use it for good. There's a few recurring themes throughout the Word of God, isn't there? Are you beginning to see that as we go through the Word together? So here's the backstory of where we are this morning. So Daniel and the other Hebrew, Hebrew people that were taken into exile, into Babylonian exile, where we've, we've studied the past couple weeks, um, Esther's story takes place about 100 years after that. So a little bit later in history. Esther was an orphan girl. Her parents died, and she was raised by her cousin, a man, a godly man by the name of Mordecai, that adopted her. He's a man that represents Christ in the book of Esther. And Lord knows there's just times in our lives when we need a Mordecai to come along and and be part of our life. And aren't you thankful that God sends those people our way exactly when we need them? So King Ahasuerus, or Xerxes, depending on the way you translate it, is ruling over the Persian Empire. And he's kind of full of himself, and he throws this big festival to flaunt his power and to flaunt his wealth, and it goes on for a long time. And he has this beautiful queen by the name of Queen Vashti. She is just a a gorgeous woman. And he wants to bring her out and flaunt her before all the people and just kind of show her off, say, look look at my wife, guys. Well, guess what? She ain't going to have it. (laughs) So she doesn't come out. So this really bothers King Ahasuerus. So he basically gives her the boot, kicks her out of the palace, removes her as queen. And so to replace Queen Vashti, the advisors to the king say, I want you to throw a pageant and we will gather all the beautiful women from all around the Persian Empire and the most beautiful woman that you can find, that will be your queen. And so long story short, guess who is the most beautiful woman, the most favorable woman in all of the Persian Empire? This little orphan girl named Esther. So Esther is crowned queen. She hides, uh, Mordecai encourage her, encourages her to hide her Jewish ethnicity. Um, so the king doesn't know this. And then the king has this official by the name of Haman. And if you've, if you've read the story of Esther, you'll know Haman's the bad guy in this story. 
Haman gets promoted, and, and because of his promotion, it is expected in this culture that when Haman comes through, people are to bow down and kneel before Haman and just pay homage to him and respect him. And guess who is not going to do that? This godly man by the name of Mordecai. And I'll just be honest with you. When I read about that, it reminds me so much of our day. And I'll just be quite frank this morning because I'm feeling a little bit blunt. I ain't bowing to no man either. And I think, I think all of this silly stuff that we see on YouTube and in the, in the TV, with people bowing down to people, is just ridiculous. So now moving on to the Bible again. Haman is obviously enraged by this. And so... He looks into who this Mordecai guy is. He finds out that Mordecai is a Jewish man. And so he decides not only should we punish Mordecai, we should kill all the Jews throughout the Persian Empire and just get rid of them altogether. So he approaches the king, shares what's going on, and the king issues the order to all of his officials throughout his entire empire that on this day you are to go through your province and kill every person that is of Jewish descent eradicate these people from our empire. So that's a problem. So not only is Mordecai's life now in danger, but the life of his entire race is in danger due to his actions. Even the life of the king's queen who's sitting in his palace. What a twisted web that we have weaved, woven, weaved. Let's look at Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4 says this. That's, this takes us to where we are this morning. It says, When Mordecai learned all that had occurred, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, went into the middle of the city, and cried loudly and bitterly. He went only as far as the king's gate, since the law prohibited anyone wearing sackcloth from entering the king's gate. There was great mourning among the Jewish people in every province where the king's command and edict reached. They fasted, wept, and lamented, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Esther's female servants and her eunuchs came and reported the news to her, and the queen was overcome with fear. She sent clothes for Mordecai to wear so that he would take off his sackcloth, but he did not accept them. Esther summoned Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs who attended her, and dispatched him to Mordecai to learn what he was doing and why. So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the city square in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened as well as the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay the royal treasury for the slaughter of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa, ordering their destruction so that Hathak might show it to Esther, explain it to her, and command her to approach the king, implore his favor, and plead with him personally for her people. Hathak came and repeated Mordecai's response to Esther. Esther spoke to Hathak and commanded him to tell Mordecai, All the royal officials and the people of the royal provinces know that one law applies to every man or woman who approaches the king in the inner courtyard and who has not been summoned, the death penalty, unless the king extends the gold scepter, allowing that person to live. I have not been summoned to appear before the king for the last 30 days. Esther's response was reported to Mordecai. And Mordecai told the messenger to reply to Esther, Don't think that you will escape the fate of all the Jews 
because you are in the king's palace. Here's our focus this morning. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place. But you and your father's family will be destroyed. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, nights or day. I and my female servants will also fast in the same way. And after that, I will go to the king, even if it's against the law. If I perish, I perish. And so Mordecai went and did everything Esther had commanded him. So this morning, I want to speak to you on the subject of, for such a time as this, First thing we see from Esther's story is that God has you where you are now for a reason. Have you ever wondered why you are where you are? Why you're going through what you're going through? What in the world is God going to do with you now? Well, He has a reason for why you are where you are doing what you're doing right now. Look at Esther. She was a minority in a foreign land. She had lost her parents. Her entire race of people were exiled from their land, scattered throughout the nation. She was taken from her remaining family that loved her and cared for her and had raised her and was paraded before this pagan king. But by God's grace, she was allowed to live in the palace, become royalty herself, had everything that she could ever dream of. And so even in the good and even in the bad, what I want you to see is that God has a purpose for you being there. There's... A time and a season for everything under the sun. And, and, and there's a purpose for the pain that you're going through. There's a purpose for the prosperity that you're experiencing. And what we tend to forget is that God is always working out this process in our lives. And He's changing us from what we were to who He wants us to become. And us going through these different things, these different experiences, God can take even our abilities, even our mistakes... And he can work all of that through the process to help fulfill the plan and purpose that he has. Not only for us, but his greater plan. There's no doubt in my mind as we read about Esther that she was exactly where God wanted her. At the exact time he wanted her there. And even though she was afraid, and she didn't really want to approach the king because she was afraid for her life. God had her in this place to save her people. Now, having just celebrated our own independence, it made me think about the beginnings of our nation and what a, a fragile time in our history that was. You know, we rebelled against the most powerful empire on the face of the planet at that time. You realize we were like a bunch of hillbillies going up against the most powerful empire, the British Empire. We were, we were outmanned and outgunned, but we did it anyway. And somehow, I think through God's blessing, we... We fought and gained our freedom and our independence. But then after that, after the victory at Yorktown, our nation was in a critical period, a lot of historians call it, because we had what were 13 loosely connected colonies that now had to become the United States of America. And somehow they had to hold together. And the question was, who's going to lead these new states? Who is the person that can navigate the difficulties of dealing with a Congress and who can hold this republic together until she's able to survive on her own. And, and as they looked out at the different candidates 
Only one man really was suited for this job. It was somebody that had led the people into battle. He had given of himself for the cause of freedom. And someone that relied on God and God's help and, and God's sovereignty in life. Somebody that had the moral capacity to lead a new nation. And that man was George Washington. And when he was asked to run for the presidency, President Washington didn't even want to do it. He wanted to go back to Mount Vernon and run his farm and just live the rest of his days in peace and solitude and quiet. But God had him where he was in life for such a time as that. And of course, he led our nation well, and his presidency would set the tone for all future presidents from that moment on. We have to trust in God's sovereignty and trust that God has you where you are for a reason. Proverbs 16, 9 says, A person's heart plans his way. And you can plan all you want, but here's the kicker. But the Lord determines his steps. So you may wonder why you are where you are in life. Why you've gone through some of the things that you've had to go through. You may wonder where you're going to end up when it's all said and done, when all the stuff settles out. But you can count on this. God has you where you are for a purpose, a divine reason. However, you've got to be willing to join God in His plan. Look again at verse 14. Mordecai told Esther, he said, If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place. But you and your father's family will be destroyed. I think when we are disobedient to God and we're unwilling to serve Him wherever He's got us right now, I think sometimes God may, not always, but may use someone else if you're unwilling. Esther didn't want to go ask the king for help. She was scared. She feared for her life. Even though she was the one in the best position to do something, to save these people, God had perfectly orchestrated all of this in Esther's life in order to save these people. And if the Jews were going to be slaughtered, even the king's queen would have to die. And so, you can just see God's hand all in this mess, <laughs> trying to save His people. Because God, why would God even want to save these people? Because his bigger plan was to bring someone out of these people that would become a savior and would save all of us, not just them. Mordecai, look at his faith. Mordecai knew that one way or another, God was going to save his covenant people, his chosen people. Even if Esther did it or she didn't, God was going to do it with or without her. Even if people had to die, even if Esther's whole family had to die, God was going to spare them and fulfill His plan to bring out the seed of the woman that we talked about so many weeks ago. But think about this. Think about if Esther had been completely unwilling to be obedient to the Lord. We certainly wouldn't be reading about her this morning. Probably wouldn't be a book in the Bible called Esther. We wouldn't be learning from her example. But how many people in that day would have had to die if Esther hadn't followed the Lord? Maybe we'd be reading about another hero. Somebody else that God used to save His covenant people. I think about another hero in our own history. Kind of close to home, a man by the name of Alvin C. York. Maybe you've heard of him. Alvin York grew up on the Tennessee-Kentucky line and he was a conscientious objector. 
because of his Christian faith, he believed he wasn't supposed to kill anybody. He wasn't supposed to be a violent man and take any lives. But in spite of all of that, he was drafted into World War I. And he had to go and he was fighting against the Germans in Europe. And his entire unit was wiped out one day except for him and six other men. And Alvin York leads these six other men into battle, and they, they take this German position, and the Germans are so scared of these hillbillies that, that they 132 of them surrender to these seven men. And Alvin ends up saving his men, the ones that survived, captured all these Germans, and he's in, he ends up receiving the Congressional Medal of Honor for his heroic actions that day. But think about if he had followed through with what he wanted. Just sit home and be a peaceful man, not get involved not be a, a, a patriot. How many of those men would have had to die that day? How many more men would have had to die if those 132 Germans hadn't been captured? And we look at the life of Esther, and in the same way, how many lives would have been impacted had she been unwilling to be obedient to what the Lord was doing? Now, when you refuse to act on God's will couple of things happen. One, I think you miss out on a lot of blessings personally. And I'm not talking about health and wealth and prosperity. I'm talking about the joy of knowing that God is using your little old life to be part of his grand plan. And when you don't be when you're disobedient, then you miss out on that blessing, that joy. The second thing is it actually may cost lives when you're disobedient to the Lord. Not only physical lives, but think about when we are disobedient to share the gospel and to make disciples and to go and do missions. People's eternities are literally at stake when we're disobedient to the Lord. Will God send somebody else? Maybe. Will He send somebody else to talk to your lost friends and family? Maybe. But are you willing to bet their eternity on it? So for Esther, fortunately, she jumps on board. Verse 15 and 16 says this. It says, Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my female servants will also fast in the same way. And after that, I will go to the queen, the king, even if it's against the law. And I love her words. If I perish... I perish. When it comes to following the Lord, there's no other way to put it. We need to be all in. All in. Can't straddle the fence. Can't be second guessing. Our calling. You're called to follow the Lord. She calls on her people to fast and pray because I believe that serving God is not just a physical work. It is a spiritual work. There's a spiritual battle raging right now all around us for the souls of mankind. And so no matter what you're doing, if you're coming to church and sweeping the floor, you need to be fasting and praying about what you're doing for the Lord. Because it matters. But notice her attitude. Notice her resolve. She knows the possibilities of what approaching the king uninvited might be. That it may cost her her life. And, and what does she say? If I perish, I perish. If I die, I just die. Don't you love that? I, lo I, th I think we need more of that attitude in our churches. We're a little dry when it comes to how far we're willing to go in serving the Lord, just to be quite frank. 
People that are totally all in for Jesus. People that are going to say, you know what? And, and, and let's be real. It probably ain't going to cost us our lives in the United States. Not now anyway. But we need people that's willing to say, you know what? I'm going to have that Bible on my desk or I'm going to talk about Jesus at work. If it costs me my job, it costs me my job. If, if it costs me my friends, guess what? God will give me some more friends that I can influence. If, it, if I go and I, and, I, and I share the gospel, if I, if I get on a plane and I actually go somewhere dangerous and they, they cut my head off, guess what? If I perish, I perish. And we can have that attitude because we know the rest of the story. God did save his people. Esther was able to talk to the king. Haman gets killed. Win for God's people. A Savior is born. A Son is given. And because of that, and because Jesus Christ came and He bled and He died, He defeated death. We don't have anything to be afraid of. We have nothing to fear because guess what? We get out of here alive. <laughs> and so the Apostle Paul, he teaches us about this attitude when he's writing to the church in Philippi. In Philippians 1, 20 and 21, he says, My eager expectation and hope is I will not be ashamed about anything. But that now as always with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says, you know what? <laughs> I've been around for a while now, and if I live, I'm going to live for Jesus. But if I die, guess what? I get to see Jesus. I get to see my Savior, my Redeemer, face to face for the rest of eternity. I don't really care if I perish or if I don't. Because either way, I've got Jesus. What about you? Do you have that kind of confidence, that kind of faith today? Can you walk through life? I mean, seriously, I know I'm saying be ignorant, but can you walk through life unafraid of death knowing that like they say I know that I know that I know that I know when I die I'm going to heaven to be with my Lord and because of that I'm not ashamed I'm not afraid <laughs> are you all in are you really willing to put it all on the line to serve the one that died for you if you don't know Him, if you're not saved, we want to give you the opportunity to settle that matter this morning and come to the Lord. Because I believe, just as Mordecai said, you here this morning may be here for such a time as this to get right with the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, I am so thankful that You love us the way that You do. Lord, I thank you that you can take an me absolute mess of a life. Take what the devil meant for good and turn it for bad and turn it into something good. That you can take all of our mistakes, all of our failures, all of our hurts, all of our experiences. And God, somehow you can use it for your glory. You can use it to reach people that we never thought could be reached. Father, this morning, maybe there's someone here that's struggling with just being all in, just being willing to follow you no matter what the cost. 
maybe there's people here that are living in fear. God, we don't have to live that way. Lord, maybe there's someone here that needs Jesus this morning. Maybe someone that needs a new commitment to Him today. Lord, whatever the case, we give you this time and we just ask that your Spirit would move, that you would look deep into our hearts. Search us, Lord, and know us. Lead us, Lord, to be the men, the women of God that you want us to be. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.